Welcome to the Kayfabe Smart Podcast with Eric Todd and Brian Rompla, your smart mark source for news and opinions on the world of professional wrestling. Hey, 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 what's going on, world? This is the Kayfabe Smart Podcast. This is episode 69 coming at you on September 9th of 2021. Make sure to follow us on all of the social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Jump in and have some fun. Don't forget to get on YouTube and like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell so you guys can come on and hang out when we record these live on YouTube every Thursday between 9.30 and 10. Uh, We're getting better at keeping that time a little tighter, but life happens. Now... Before we get into AEW and what was a pay-per-view that was called All Out, let's check in with Mr. Eric Todd and see what he's got going on. Eric, what is happening? Oh, you know, you know, same old, same old. Uh, good friend of the show, Stella Marie, my pet pit bull, uh, had to take her to the vet today. She's had some real bad allergies going on. She's got a couple little scabs and hair loss things or whatever. But anyway, long story short. Because she weighs about as much as half of the AEW roster <laughs> at uh, 91 pounds. Uh, her and Darby Allen could have a good match. But because she weighs so much for a dog, her medication to clear up that infection and her allergy pills cost me $250 today, Brian. So. All right. There you go. That's like, <laughs> just might as well have another human with you. <laughs> I know. I grew up all my life with not an allergy in the world, and then here she comes just having all them allergies. Dog. She's allergic to everything. Dog's allergic to outside. Well, <laughs> put that behind us, and we're going to talk about <laughs> wrestling for a little bit. Um, but before we get into that, to the real Sorry, before we get into the real bits of wrestling of the AEW, usually Eric has some news for us. Do you have news? I do got some news. Just slap that ticker and we'll get right into it. It's the news. Eric looked it up. He read it on Twitter, so it must be true. It's the news. True news. All right. So we reported on Daphne's tragic death last week. Well, the police have released a little bit of details about what uh, what happened with that. Police went to Daphne's house in Norcross, Georgia, Thursday for a welfare check. Uh, they were met there by Daphne's mom, knocked on the door, couldn't get in, came back a little bit later because I guess legally they couldn't just kick the door down at that point. Uh They found Daphne dead on her bed with a gunshot wound to her chest and then a gun within reach. Um, Medical examiner has not determined the official cause of death. I mean, uh, it's not nothing to joke about, but I think we got that one figured out. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, but yeah, this just reminded me a lot of I don't know if you remember him, Brian, but there's a Hall of Fame football player in the, I believe, late 90s, early 2000s named Junior Seau. Uh, he did the no no not me uh, <laughs> yeah he was big time defensive player but anyway he had a ton of concussions and whatnot so he also shot himself in the chest 
and requested his brain be examined to uh, kind of research CTE and concussions and all that. And it appears Daphne had the same idea. She was talking about CTE and donating her brain and all this stuff on her live the night before she killed herself. So, yeah, I mean, tragic, tragic thing yeah. that happened with her death, but maybe some good will come out of it if they do end up examining her brain. Yeah, to figure out uh, what causes that. The CTE stuff was, you know, they were part of the blame for the, you know, Benoit nonsense that happened. Uh, so, scary stuff. Whew. I don't even know what to say. It just gives you the chills. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, in other news, WWE is donezo with Japan. They went ahead and shut down the WWE Japan office. Uh, about 100 people lost their job, and it turns out there will not be an NXT Japan, which uh, I'm not sure exactly when that was supposed to happen, but it was supposedly a big project going on with WWE Japan, and it is no more. Been, so been nixed before it even started. I didn't even hear the right. rumor that they were even starting it, let alone <laughs> killing it. Yeah, so I don't know what what happened with that. Maybe Vince is pissed that AEW's working with Japan so much. And he's just like, you know what? Damn it. Damn we're it. done. This is gonna be good shit. This is not gonna <laughs> be good shit. Uh Last weekend, there was a big event called AEW All Out, but huh. before that happened, Mr. Moxley, Mr. AEW, won the GCW world title from, uh, who do you want? Oh, Matt Cordona. Correct. Also known for his super hardcore wrestling style. Um, back when he was Zack Ryder, right, Brian? Yes. Wasn't he, wasn't he pretty hardcore? And woo, 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 woo. Thumbtacks. <laughs> Eight thumbtacks for breakfast. But, uh, yeah, anyway, Mox went ahead and beat uh, Cordona for the GCW championship and was immediately confronted by Nick Gage. And I guess Nick Gage and John Moxley will be going at it in Atlantic City on Saturday, October 9th. And uh, Gage is trying to get that title back from Mox. So uh, it'll be a garbage wrestling extravaganza, and I will not be tuning in. <laughs> I might have to watch in for a shit show. Everybody loves a Jerry Springer episode, so you just got to pop it on and see what it's about. I may have to see what's going on with that some way, shape, or form, whether it's that whole pay-per-view or just that match. Not sure. We shall see. We shall see. Um, everybody loves a good Kevin Dunn story. Doesn't Kevin Dunn just, his name just rings true and rainbows and butterflies fly every time somebody speaks the name Kevin Dunn. Isn't that right, Brian? Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Dunn went ahead and sold 23,500 shares of his WWE stock, totaling $1.2 million to put in his pocket. Um, I don't know what kind of speculation is going to ensue from that, but Dunn still has 59,000 or so shares, which are valued at about $3 million. So once... Higher up WWE people start selling stock. The people get pss, 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 pss. the yep. whispering gets going, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, it's gonna tank." There was but, a couple uh, of years ago where Vin, where Vince sold some, Kevin Dunn sold some, Triple H sold some, and Stephanie sold some, and I, there was a few other people in there, but those were the the names, the top of the mountain, if you will. There were some other executives through there that had sold some as well, but they sold for 
millions, all of them, but I don't know. People need money. They buy and sell stocks. It's called the New York Stock Exchange. <laughs> Shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kevin Dunn just needed a quick mill in his pocket, but yeah, it's still about 25% of his share, so it is kind of like, hmm? you do a little head tilt to that one, wonder what's going on, but probably nothing probably need a new, like, new need a new windows in his house <laughs> <laughs> um this is big news big undertaker news brian this undertaker news <laughs> <laughs> undertaker is starring in a halloween themed netflix movie with the new day and it's interactive oh. and uh apparently the new day are exploring undertaker's giant haunted mansion and you get uh, to guide them through with the interactive experience through netflix that comes out on october 5th um sounds like a real shit show to me but i'll definitely have to check it out just to oh. see how cheesy it is now see we differ here you're not watching gcw i may check that out i will not watch this halloween nonsense and you sounds <laughs> like you will check it out so that's why it's a 50 50 show people <laughs> Uh, I'm just watching just for the goosebumps on my arms to stand up because this is going to be extremely cringy. Deuce chills. <laughs> I can feel it now. Once again, October 5th, if everybody's oh, chomping at the bit gonna, to watch that. I'm going to start a countdown ticker on uh, Instagram and TikTok, so follow us, people. I'm going to count down the days <laughs> until October 5th. When you can see the reemergence of The Undertaker. I'll only do it if we do it as a, as a watch-along and we record it and put it out as a video. <laughs> we can <laughs> scream how stupid it is. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and purely speculation news, Brian. This will get the people talking. This will get the kids talking. Could Kevin Owens be leaving WWE and possibly joining AEW? Oh, well, he did release a tweet and uh, or uh, yeah, he released a tweet with some coordinates on there of, and uh, that supposedly leads you to Mount Rushmore. Yeah, those coordinates, which he deleted very, very promptly, were the exact coordinates for Mount Rushmore. And do you know what the significance of Mount Rushmore is to Kevin Owens and AEW possibly, Brian? Well, it has nothing to do with Kevin Owens. It has everything to do with Kevin Steen and what he did <laughs> in <laughs> Pro Wrestling Gorilla and his uh, stable there that was him, the Young Bucks, and I believe Mr. Adam Cole, Bay Bay. Bay Bay. <laughs> so, yes, that was, uh, uh, that was announced also being told around the water cooler on the old tweeter is that his contract is wrapping up sometime in January. So I did post about this on the Kayfabe Smart Instagram, so there was some breaking news going on about that. Fightful Select was reporting about all this, so make sure you go on to Instagram, Kayfabe Smart, check it out, stay up to date with the news as I'm researching the Twitter and posting about it. Right, and uh, just to add to the speculation, originally everyone thought his contract was ending in 2023, but indeed, just like you said, Brian, his contract ends in January of 2022. And alongside his coordinates of Mount Rushmore, he changed the location on his Twitter bio to, quote-unquote, almost there. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, just like we said last week, cash and creative. <laughs> so he's probably made his cash. If he can go hang out with his buddies and be really creative, you know, 
be a weird thing to not do. So, but you know, unless they offer him way more cash, <laughs> I mean, all Adam Cole wanted was, uh, you know, he wanted just to be able to go on to Twitch, and that was a non-negotiable fact on either side of it. So, here we are. <laughs> and according with to uh, Jim Cornette, who worked very closely with Kevin Steen for a long time over in Ring of Honor. Kevin Steen is a pain in the ass when it comes to creative. He just constantly wants to do dumb and dangerous shit and goofy shit. So uh, he would fit right in with the Young Bucks, <laughs> Kenny Omega, and the rest of the elite. Yeah, there you go. So we shall see what happens with that. Any other news tidbits hanging around? little bit. PWI released their top 500 wrestlers. And uh, who do you think topped that list, Brian? Well, that was Mr. Kenny Omega. Goodbye, mwah, and good night. <laughs> <laughs> I and I bid you. I do. I do. <laughs> um, I who's who's the head honcho over at PWI's? I can't imagine Kenny Omega is considered the best wrestler in the world by real wrestling journalists. Kenny Omega came in at number one. Roman Reigns comes in at number two. Bobby Lashley at three. Drew McIntyre at four. Kota Ibushi at five. Moxley at six. Will Ospreay at seven. Eight, Finn Balor. Nine, Shingo Takanagi. Not sure. And Rich Swan at number 10. That was your top 10 of the five of PWI 500. Well, here in that top 10. I would just tear it up and forget about it because Moxley even being in the top 10 is enough to make me want to throw up. <laughs> yeah, they got Kenny at number one. And I, well, we'll talk about it, but I think that AEW failed on using that information that broke yesterday, again, by Busted Open Radio. I posted about it on our Instagram at the Kayfabe Smart, sharing that uh, information as I saw it, and... I don't think that AEW used that information enough in their TV show last night. Why wouldn't you? There's big breaking news on a Wednesday. I thought there could have been more, but we will talk. <laughs> we shall. Um, Mr. Levesque, Paul Levesque, Triple H, underwent a successful procedure at Yale New Haven Hospital. He had himself a cardiac event. Apparently, it's not too big of a deal. It was just caused by a genetic heart issue. And uh, Triple H is scheduled to make a full recovery. So uh, get well, Triple H. But yeah, anything to do with your heart is always a little bit little bit on the scary side. Little scary, scary. Yes, I saw the pictures of him. He was uh, throwing up his too sweet, and he was happy in his hospital bed there. And I'm sure he will be doing just fine. So all that for Mr. Trips. And... A little bit of news on the Adam Cole Bay Bay saga. News has leaked on what plans for Mr. Cole were in WWE. Ooh. If you recall, uh, Vince and the rest of WWE offered Adam Cole a main roster spot and a huge bag of cash to stick around. And have you heard what those plans were, Brian? Yes, that's why I was plugging my nose if you're watching us on YouTube at the Kayfabe Spark because those plans were a stink a rooney <laughs> He was supposed to be a manager. Yeah, first things first, they were going to change his name because Michael Cole's already on the WWE roster, and we can't have two Coles. 
I get that to an extent because over on the AW side of things, we got Cage, Cage, Page, Page, um, and occasionally appearing Diamond Dallas Page, <laughs> and Diamond Dallas Page, and Nick Gage. So <laughs> you got cages and pages and rages, rages with the cages all around over in AEW. So I get it to an extent, but an established star like Adam Cole just to go change his name because he moved up to the main roster, uh, that would have been a kick in the nuts. What were they going to change it to? Adam? <laughs> <laughs> no invents in his one names, just Adam. Or and they would have him come out with a leaf over his wiener. I don't know. Imagine that. He gets in the ring and he's like, boom, and he hits his music, and then he goes, he gets down, Adam, baby. <laughs> They'd take away his baby, too, ah, I'm sure. Shit. You might just cut off his left leg. <laughs> but they were going to turn Keith Lee into a heel, which is already a shit show to try and do that. That guy's too nice and too well-spoken to be a bad guy. And then they were going to have Adam Cole be like a uh, a heel chicken shit manager, always hiding behind his big tough guy, Keith Lee. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad that didn't happen. Ooh. And apparently that idea came way from the top. The writers didn't come up with that one. Uh, the speculation is it was either Bruce Pritchard's idea or Vince McMahon's idea. Uh, different sources will tell you different things. But all the answers lead to Bruce and Vince. That's what we call a stankaroonie. Glad that they avoided that. I'd love to see it in an alternate universe, though, if I could tune in and watch that. <laughs> that would be as cringy as the Undertaker Netflix movie there, Brian. Uh, Russell Nomics is reporting that the September 8th, 2021 episode of AEW Dynamite, which we will talk about here soon, pulled in an overnight average of 1.3 million viewers. Now, this was the after the biggest pay-per-view of the year episode of Dynamite, and there wasn't any, uh, there's no mainstream super celebrities like Shaquille O'Neal or Mike Tyson or anything. So uh, that, that's a pretty fat number there, isn't it? Yeah, but, you know, they came off of a hot show. Very hot show with lots of talk going on. So, you know, we had some big surprises and debuts and such. So, you know, people are checking it out. Even people that have never watched it before. Good friend of the show, Mr. Andrew. He's checked in with me. We were talking about AEW. And it's he's not an all, he's all puns intended. He's not all in with AEW, but, you know, he knows enough. But this Adam Cole stuff and Daniel Bryan and or Bryan Danielson, it's it's pulling... You know, the casual AEW viewer in a little tighter. I know he's checking it out a little more now, so, you know, it's going to happen. But can they keep the fire burning? That's the only question. And uh, looks like the final news story on my ticker here is WWE signs Olympic gold medalist wrestler Gable Stevens Steveson. I'm sorry here. Uh, Steveson signed an exclusive agreement with WWE known as an NIL deal, which is stands for Name, Image, and Likeness. The NIL deal is a new thing to NCAA, which allows ath college athletes to capitalize and monetize their name, image, and likeness so they can make money in college. Uh, previously, if you were attending college, you couldn't make any money off 
name, appearances, anything like that. So uh, Gable Stevenson will be allowed to go back to the University of Minnesota while being signed with WWE and make that cheddar. Well, good for him. I didn't know that he was from Minnesota. That's where every wrestler's from ever. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a hell of a uh, wrestling program too. Uh, a little known wrestler named Brock Lesnar wrestled at University of Minnesota. Uh, also, then that means that uh, Shelton Benjamin came from the University of Minnesota as he was his training partner. <laughs> I think I've heard of that guy. Yeah, he also wrestled there. Uh, and uh, Seth Rollins, little underhanded tweet right here, possibly taking a shot at uh, AEW. Uh, Seth Rollins tweeted, best wrestler in the world coming to the best wrestling company in the world. Love to see it. Gable Stevenson is WWE. Well, there you go. Everybody is elite. Now he is WWE. <laughs> <laughs> also the best in the world. Yes, taking a stab at Punk and Brian. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that wraps it up for the news, Brian. And uh, hit that sound and we will fade out. <laughs> we will move it along. That's the news. I don't choose it. It just happens. Make sure you guys follow us on all the social media platforms so you can keep up on the news. We're posting about that. Instagram, TikTok, the Kayfabe Smark on all social media platforms. All right, Eric, what do we got going on now? Overrated, underrated. I see your background's changed. If you guys aren't watching the live, or not even the live, but just watching the YouTube version, I mean, y- y'all slipping. Slipping. Y'all missing out. Slipping, got that video stuff going on here. All right, it is overrated, underrated, which means it's time for... Let's play Overrated or Underrated with Eric Todd. Well, let's play that. All right. Here we Once go. Again, shout out to fake Ben Bailey for the voiceover <laughs> there. <laughs> Free Ben Bailey, flea market Bailey. We're going to go with overrated, underrated tag team split ups. Just going to like... Is this overrated that people are still talking about these split-ups, right? So let's start out first. Overrated or underrated? Edge and Christian split up as being, well, Edge and Christian. <laughs> and Edge, or uh, I think it was Christian, molly Edge with a chair. The picture was from Detroit when I was doing my research, which is ironic enough for us, Eric. It was in the Joe Louis Arena where Edge turns on Christian. I think this split would be underrated, Brian, because of what came out of it was absolutely huge. So you still don't, I still hear rumblings and sounds of people talking about Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, but Christian and Edge, I really don't hear. Eyes on your own paper. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't hear too much about that split up anymore, but, um, Look at the megastars that thing produced. That was a split up for the ages. And uh, so, yeah, Christian. Pushing 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're still rocking. And they're still championship contenders in their respective companies. Uh, that was an underrated split up. All right. Overrated or underrated the rockers in the barbershop. All right, so this one's this split up is going to be overrated, Brian. Now that was a hell of a a spot, 
a hell of a segment in the barbershop. All of us have our uh, Mandela effect memory going on there. (laughs) You're in my head. (laughs) Ask anybody who hasn't seen it since it aired and ask them how Marty Jannetty exited the barbershop through the window. Did he exit it via being thrown or did he exit it via being super kicked by Shawn Michaels? Guarantee you, everyone you know will say super kicked by Shawn Michaels through the barbershop window. My memory was that way, too, for the longest time. He got super kicked through the window. He got super kicked and then thrown through the window. (laughs) News to me. (laughs) Yeah, so, but yeah, that was a hell of a segment for real. But what came out of that split up and for them to make such a big deal out of that split up and for Marty to turn into such the dud that Marty turned into, it it was a necessary breakup just to get Sean where he needed to be. So it was a, a, a very good segment for a very dull breakup. There you go. Overrated. How about this one for you? Overrated, underrated. The Legion of Doom split up. This is when they involved Puke or uh, Darren Drozdoff in the mix of that. And uh, Hawk was all drunk and they were doing that gimmick and they split up the Legion of Doom. What do you think about that? Overrated or underrated? I think this one was overrated because they shouldn't even made a big deal out of it. So anyone who celebrates this thing or uh, talks about how great of a story it was when they split the Legion of Doom should be kicked in the nuts because they should have just swept this one under the rug because Hawk was having some some uh, terrible, terrible alcohol problems yeah. at this point. And he needed some time off. They should have kept this shit off TV. Overrated. Overrated. All right. And where are we at here? Overrated, underrated. Rick Martell walks away from Tito Santana at WrestleMania 5, splitting up the strike force. I mean, is that overrated or underrated, Eric? Uh, I would say that's a tad overrated because <laughs> who gives a shit? I mean, out of the that split up, we've got the model and El Matador, for the love of Pete. <laughs> And he's going to hit you with the flying jalapeno, according to Bobby Heenan. And then the last one here, overrated, underrated. The Hardy Boys split up. Matt Hardy betrays Jeff Hardy once again. This was a double time this happened to these two numbskulls. I think anytime these real-life brothers split up, it, it's going to be a huge deal. So no matter how many times they get together and break up, they're brothers. They live in the same compound. So you can get a hell of a story and a hell of a TV segment out of it. So anytime the Harder Boys split up, it's underrated. Underrated. And they also went on to become great single stars in their own rights. So it's always the worst when a tag team splits up and then the other, then they just suck. <laughs> like, yeah, one of them is still a huge star, just being used very, very poorly. The other one should start working backstage. Right. All right. Well, that was overrated, underrated. The tag team split up. Now let's dive into AEW and All Out and their pay-per-view that was over the weekend. Yes, you and I got a chance to watch this. Uh, We both had a hell of a busy weekend. So you and I got together on Labor Day and watched this. Yes. And this was an impressive pay-per-view, Brian. You know, it wasn't that bad. They did real good with it. There were some there were some lows. There's a lot of more highs. There was some weird stuff, but uh 
Let's pick it apart and unpack this thing. Yeah, we're going to start things off. Um, I didn't take notes what happened on the pre-show. What happened on the pre-show again, Brian? Do you have that written down anywhere? Uh, but, 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 but what's his name came back? That guy. Yeah. Oh, Orange Cassidy fought somebody too, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. For, some, right. Somebody made their, they came back. I forget who it was. God dang it. <laughs> ah, well. Well, anyway, moving on to the, to the main show here. We've got Eddie Kingston. Redeem these nuts, Eddie Kingston. <laughs> challenging Miro for that TNT TV title. And our referee for this match, Brian, is Bryce Rimjob. <laughs> oh, Bruce Rimjob. <laughs> uh, Miro does what he does. Um, definitely working heel this one. Really going to work on Eddie Kingston's back. Um, Kingston, even with that big beer gut, is able to keep up with Miro in this one. And they're doing a lot of back and forth. Um, a lot of potatoes being thrown in this one. These boys were working stiff. At one point, Eddie Kingston dives out of the ring and hits Miro with an elbow. And I shit you not, all the all the Hispanic, all the Spanish words that excrement comes up with, all the Japanese sitas and uh, Yokozuna sitas and every sita you can think of, this one, Brian, was just a straight-up elbow suicida. Suicide by elbow. <laughs> What is it? Elbow suicida. Uh, my head exploded when I heard that. That was an excrement 101 right there. I'm going to start making quote sheets for excrement and his nonsense. <laughs> uh, we get a little teaser that Miro might be ending this thing early here when he puts Eddie Kingston in the game over. And and Miro, he, he does it rather smoothly, but unfortunately he was out of position at this point and had to readjust and actually scoot up so Eddie Eddie Kingston could reach the ropes. And then uh, then this thing starts falling apart with Bryce Remsburg. And the crowd gets pissed off. And and this ending was just kind of a shit show, Brian. Yeah, it got a little sloppy in there. Uh, leading up to this, though, these guys, like you said, were beating the hell out of each other. Uh, Eddie Kingston, either A, really getting beat up or selling really well, or a little bit of both. But nonetheless, this was a, a good battle. This was a good fight to, for these two to put on. So I was impressed with that. Then towards the end there, there was the the turnbuckle pad got ripped off at some point. Yeah, at some point the turnbuckle pad gets rip, ripped off. Bryce Rimsburg is just obsessed with getting this turnbuckle pad put back together. Um Miro at one point is about to be shoved into the exposed turnbuckle, but Bryce puts himself between Miro and the exposed turnbuckle to kind of stop the action dead in its tracks at some point. Uh, you see Bryce Rimsburg, he knows the spot coming up, so he's just looking up and to the left into the lights, checking out the audience, seeing what else is going on. That way Miro could go ahead and mule kick Eddie Kingston in the nuts, and then uh, go ahead and hit his finisher for the pin, and it's a wrap. Miro is still your TNT champion. Yes, this was a little bit sloppy, as you said, because, one, this match started out hot on the outside for several minutes. And right. by that happening, there was no there's no rules. No, the AEW rules apply. No count outs, no, no rules. 
But then when we get in the ring and the turnbuckle pad falls off for the love of Pete, guys, I mean, we have to have a turnbuckle pad. So I'm going to stop refereeing. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to block people from getting hit. Everything else in the sun happens in a match before they get in the ring and nobody cares. But if a turnbuckle pad all of a sudden in the middle of it, it was a little forced and a little shoehorned to make it make sense. And that at that point, when Bryce Rim, uh, Rimsberg, uh, I can't not call him Rimjob, um, intervenes at that point because the rules that now have to be enforced and we have to protect our athletes, they made such a big deal of that. And then, I shit you not, the very next show, the very next televised show, Dynamite, somebody gets their head rammed into the exposed turnbuckle and yeah. it's no big deal nobody gives a shit nobody cares that within 48 hours it was back to <laughs> nobody cares um next on our card here we had kojima taking on john moxley neither one of us brian and we're wrestling journalists have any idea of what is the point of this match did for the just ending, to get a maybe? Japanese guy to wrestle Moxley would be the the most valid point I could think of. That was about it. They For some reason, they really are trying to push this quote, Forbidden Door. I'm going to be honest with you. This talk about Forbidden Doors really drives me bananas because Ring of Honor has been working with New Japan for years. They were going back and forth. They would host shows in the states and they would ring of honor would host shows in japan and their guys were going back and forth the young bucks were in both companies for years cody kenny the bullet club back and forth all the time so what's the big deal about this forbidden door and let, i mean if you want to count impact as being a forbidden door i mean i could probably get them to come wrestle at my house so like <laughs> You know, like, I don't get what the big deal is, this forbidden door, but they wanted to have a Japanese match and put it on a pay-per-view. And to make a big deal of the forbidden door with this guy, Kojima. Now, there's some some huge wrestling names over in Japan that the casual wrestling fan has heard of. Um, Okada would be probably the main one that pops into my mind, but I can't. I don't think any casual fans, a fan who's not up AEW's ass, would know who the hell Kojima is. Have you heard of Kojima before this match? I did not. I was pretty deep in the New Japan stuff for a while, and it just is not one that stuck with me. But, I mean, I guess it's a big deal. Maybe they're just trying to make that internet blow up. I guess so. And then uh, one note I took on this match because there was a lot of submissions going on is it's very impressive how easily wrestlers, professional wrestlers get out of arm bars. But if you see an arm bar in the UFC match is over, it's wrapped. That dude's tapping because he doesn't want his elbow ripped apart. But in wrestling, you just see even uh, Ronda Rousey did it back in the day. They they'll hold an arm bar for like 32 minutes and then the guy just wiggles out of it no danger to his elbow whatsoever yeah and it just blows my mind how fake they make a devastating move like an armbar look really it blew my mind that the mma guys never took note in watching professional wrestling on how to get out of the armbar by rolling around they never 
I mean, they that's where they went wrong. <laughs> you roll around and you just pop right out of it. It's easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. Uh, this was a pretty decently worked match. Um, there was just no story Koji. to it. No, um, I was going up. I forgot the guy's name for a moment. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Kojima's like 53, I think. I'm not even exaggerating. So you got a, a plus 50-year-old man in there with Moxley. And as far as wrestling goes, this was a pretty good match. But there was just no reason, even if you know who Kojima is, to be emotionally invested in this match. And that's my thing, Brian. When there's a feud going on or two guys really want to get at each other, I want to emotionally get invested. No reason whatsoever to get invested in this match. And uh, Moxley ends up winning. Yeah. If the AEW took some time with this and made some promos for new, to, to explain who this was a little deeper, to create a story out of it, but there was no story. This was just a match. That's all we got. We got more of a story out of the ending. Right. And um, this guy, this Japanese wrestler you've heard of, you even knew about his haircut before his haircut made its way to the TV cameras. Minoru Suzuki comes out to eyeball John Moxley. Yeah, from Suzuki Goon uh, over there in New Japan. That's his stable that he runs. He's the head guy over there in the Suzuki Goon stable. And uh, he's, he's a crazy fucker. <laughs> and he's another one who's over 50 years old. But I legitimately believe... Uh, he could tear Moxley a new asshole and rip him limb from limb if he really wanted to. Uh, Suzuki ends up, well, those two end up just trading a bunch of blows to see who's tougher. Um, Moxley gets a bunch of blood from his elbow all over Suzuki here, and Suzuki finally just ends this whole thing with a gotch-style pile driver and leaves Moxley laid out. Leaves him laid out and tells the story for Wednesday, last night. Those two went at it, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a little bit. We will get to that. Um, we got a... We got a... Britt Baker with Rebel and Jamie Hayter is taking on Chris Statlander and the best friends. Um, we actually get some decent wrestling out of this, but... Nothing too special. Chris Statlander is pretty talented, and I've been a semi-fan of her since she came out. I really don't like that she's associated with Orange Cassidy and uh, the best dickhead friends. Chuck Schmaler and all that. But uh, yeah, there's no way Britt Baker's dropping the title at this point. They they work well together, but Britt Baker ends up winning out in the end and keeping her AEW Women's Championship. To nobody's surprise. To nobody's surprise. But also, how did she win that, Eric? What was that fancy move she won it with? The Philadelphia Sunrise? (laughs) (laughs) So you and I, we had to... um, we, You and I were both convinced that... Was it Excrement who said it? Yeah. Referred to it as the Panama Sunrise. But it turns out... It was the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Sunrise. I said Philadelphia. I was close. <laughs> Britsburg, Brian. Britsburg. Um, I thought her dad's name was Phil. I thought they were from Philadelphia. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they were really dropping some hints of uh, things later to come with the Sunrise. I've never seen her do the Pittsburgh Sunrise. No, but they were pushing it hard on this one. They said Pittsburgh Sunrise about 35 times, and... Uh, 
that was a teaser for things to come. And uh, uh, you and I already knew what was going to happen at the end when we watched this. But I, I do wonder how many people picked up on that as a, a little Easter egg for what was to come. The Easter eggs of what was to come. Yes, sir. So, yes, Britt Baker wins the, or remains the champ, women's champion. Nobody saw her losing to uh, Chris Statlander. Statlander. Uh, next on our card here, we had the Young Bucks defending their uh, AW Tag Team Championship belts against the Lucha Brothers in a steel cage, a hell of a steel cage. That some bitch was high as hell. Yeah, that was a big steel cage. Uh, supported really well. as came down nice and smooth. There wasn't a big transition to getting it set up or put on. So that was always good because you hate when they do extended video packages or they go backstage for way too long while they're putting a cage together. But this was a little confusing because the rules were not explained if there were any at all. It was weird. Was it a tag match? Was it a cage match? Was it a Texas Tornado match? Even JR gets confused at some point in the match. How they don't tell the the commentators so they can fill in the blanks to the people watching this of what's happening. You know, if you're not a, aware, people, this is the, you know, it's a tag. There's no tags needed in a tag team cage. Like, anything. Just give us something. JR goes, I guess they're under Texas Tornado rules. I guess. <laughs> you guess. You're the right. commentator and you guess. It just is kind of goofy on the surface to have a tag team championship match with zero tags whatsoever. This thing was just pure chaos. And because we're at the biggest pay-per-view of the year for AEW here, it's, I was going to say almost as if, but it is very apparent that the Young Bucks take a list and like, okay, we like doing this spot. We like doing this spot. We like doing this spot. Lucha Brothers do the same thing. We have to do this spot. We have to do this spot. And you know what, boys? Let's work together in the back and make it very obvious that we're going to do a bunch of contrived bullshit combination moves where it's clear as day that we're communicating to pull these things off. And it was just the epitome of Cirque de Bolshoi in this tag team championship match. Yeah, you're not wrong. I even caught a good one there. I, I don't remember who was in charge of who here, but uh, we'll say it was, you know, you had a young buck and you had a Lucha brother, you know, manipulating, beating up the other young buck and Lucha brother. And then they just make eye contact. Nick makes eye contact with Ray Phoenix and calls the spot and off they run up to the top of the ropes and meet each other up there to catch a hurricane rana or a spanish fly or whatever it was off at the top it's, they just looked at each other called the spot and ran and you could just see it and it was just as blatant as can be it was like watching bad magic <laughs> <laughs> right um it was like watching david copperfield turn back to his assistant and be like hey move that fucking table so you can't see uh dickhead anymore so you get cut you know, it was it was that apparent. You're almost, even though you were overstating it, you were at some point understating it because if you saw the eye contact and the communication going on, um, even non-verbally, even just with the eyes, like kind of one, two, three, you could almost read their minds on what was going on with yeah. this spot. And the fact that they're so blatant with it and they are just very, very open 
to not keeping anything up their sleeve. It is just all out, um, no pun intended, all out there that we're just working together and we're putting on a circus show for you guys. And this thing already, Brian, has been touted as, by multiple sources, possibly the best cage match of all time. I don't know. I mean, for a cage match, it was you put four guys into any ring, and you're gonna get a lot of stuff. You get four guys that are willing to do some interesting things. You're gonna get some cool stuff that can happen. So, I mean, I don't know. Is it the greatest cage match? Is there ever been a greatest cage match? I mean, the one that always sticks off is Mick Foley getting thrown off the top of one, but we only remember that because he got thrown off the top of it. The rest of that, I couldn't tell you what happened in between. <laughs> so it's just. Um, again, it's just it was a lot of nonsense that you, it you, was. you can sprinkle it in there, and that's what makes it good. I guess quote makes it good is that you just remember spot, 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 spot. You remember blood like crazy. Penta got gigged up under his mask somehow, or by his eye, or busted his nose. So I mean, I don't think that was a blade job. Ray Phoenix is bleeding from under his mask. These guys were cut up and beat up for sure, and taking some good risks, but. To what reward? And it's it's just the Young Bucks recipe. It's Young Bucks soup right here. Um, they they want to put on the best show. They want to put on a seven-star match for uh, their buddy Dave. And so they're like, we need at least 500 circus spots. We need gymnastics. We need blood. We need Air Jordans. We need thumbtacks. We need... Uh, a 20 foot cross body, which we'll get to in a second. But even with Ray Phoenix and Penta bleeding like stuck pigs under their masks, the Brandon Cutlet throws in a bag over the top of the ring, which, which uh, over the top of the cage, which kind of negates the point of the cage is supposed to keep shit out. But I'm just and, giving it to Brandon Cutlet that he actually got through and did his job. I was waiting for him to botch that spot. Yeah, uh, he's he pretty much fails at everything he does, especially of being entertaining on TV. But um, <laughs> one of the Jackson brothers, I believe it was Pie Face, uh, Matt Jackson, uh, <laughs> pulls a Nike Air Jordan out of this bag, and it is lined with thumbtacks on the bottom. And we just get thumbtack spot with after thumbtack spot after already the Lucha Brothers are bleeding like stuck pigs. That was pointless. Uh, Ray Phoenix gets to the top of the cage, and this thing you and I stated at the beginning that Ray Phoenix absolutely has to do a spot off the top of the cage, or this thing just wouldn't be complete. It wouldn't be a complete uh, Lucha Brothers. Uh, Young Bucks match, right? Because in you the beginning... pointed out a very, very apparent stupid thing about this spot, Brian. That just kind of shit on the whole thing. Well, we knew he was going to jump because in the beginning, when they were introed and they did their big uh, Aztec Warrior thing there with the big production, he ran into the ring and climbed right up to the top already. So we're going, he's got to jump now. He's proven that he can get up there, <laughs> and he will get up there. So we knew he had to jump, and then they go into this cross-body spot. This cross-body spot. So 
one of the Jackson brothers tries to follow Ray Phoenix up to the ring. He ends up getting kicked in the face and back down. Um, it's Penta's job to get the Bucks ready to take this crossbody. And apparently two people aren't enough to catch the 98 pound Ray Phoenix. We need all three guys. So you've got Penta, Cerro De Niro in the middle, and then you got a Buck brother on each side and they're all hugging like best friends so that Ray Phoenix can jump off the top of the cage, crossbody all three of them. Somehow Penta doesn't get hurt out of this whole ordeal, but end up getting a Ray Phoenix pen on one of the Buck brothers. And uh, it's a wrap. One, two, three, new AEW tag team champions, the Lucha Bros. I wasn't unhappy to see the new tag team champions, the cage match. If you just sit back and you're going to know you're going to watch a spot show, or you're going to watch stuntmen work, essentially, it, it, I can't say it wasn't entertaining. If you put a story together of what was supposed to be happening, and if you make it real, then how is this working, right? If you're bleeding that bad, or if you if you're, can put a shoe on in the middle of the ring that took you 25 seconds, why couldn't you pin the guy for three? <laughs> right. Like, if you start to break down... <laughs> Reality, if you can suspend disbelief for a moment, it was very entertaining. If you break down the reality of it, stunk on ice. So there's a little bit of in-between. So I was very entertained. I was happy with the new tag team champions. Some of it got a little contrived, but we shall, you know, take it for what it is. Right, and just two points I want to take out of this match here. One, the Young Bucks had to drop the titles. Um they were starting to actually get heat from the audience um, wherever they were. And it was not the heat like we're big fans of the Young Bucks and we are booing them to help them because they're supposed to be bad guys. I feel it was heat from the audience of we're tired of these fucking guys with these belts. So they had to drop them to somebody. And who else? would the young bucks want to drop their belt to to the mexican version of themselves they they sure as hell weren't going to drop it to ftr that would that would end my conspiracy theory right there that they're trying to bury the shit out of ftr to maintain the status as best tag team champions or best tag team wrestlers in the world but i feel they had to lose the belts at this point and there was no one else they would choose other than the Lucha Bros to do that. Yeah, the Lucha Bros have made themselves a name to an AEW. They've come a long way, but you're right. It, it passes the torch along to what is an AEW tag team. Right, and then that kind of leads me into my second point, then I promise we'll move, in, move off of this match here. So I guess I will concede that if you according to which audience is watching this match if it is if this is what professional wrestling is now if it's haha we all know it's fake we just want to watch gymnastics and be entertained and watch flips and spins and if high spot wrestling is what wrestling is now then fuck it give this match seven stars it deserves every bit of it but for anyone who's been a fan of pro wrestling for a long time and you know that there's supposed to be psychology involved, there's supposed to be 
actual physics involved. There's supposed to be a concealment of the fact that they're working together involved, uh, that there's supposed to be improv involved according to situations that popped up. It's not all scripted. Any wrestling fan who considers all those things that used to be, and I feel they still should be, part of a good wrestling match, if you were expecting that, then this was a pure garbage match. None of that was really involved. It was just a spot monkey show. That it was. I mean, but that was well expected going into a cage match with four guys. You know, right. I took it for what it is. They're, they're definitely playing to their audience. They're playing to the fans that buy the tickets and then the fans that are going to pay $50 for a pay-per-view. So those are the typical AEW fans now, and they played, they catered to them to a T. And so at that point, um, for who they're playing to, they deserve all the recognition they get for that match. Simple as that. There you go. Broke that one down pretty deep. <laughs> what happened next? <laughs> what happened next, Brian, was you made chicken wings. So <laughs> I paid more attention to those chicken wings <laughs> than I did to this match because it was the women's casino battle royale. Oof. And uh, that was right. I believe the winner of this thing gets a title shot, right? Yeah, or, or, a, title, or something. A, a match of their choice or a something along those lines wait yeah i don't know i had title shot written down but from what happened this week i don't know i'm all confused in the women's you assume division they're gonna, you assume they're gonna use it for a title shot you would assume so because that's how it works in wwe and uh AEW likes to lift ideas from wwe we'll get to more of that in a moment too <laughs> um but anyway in this thing we had a surprise debut brian Ruby, 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 Ruby so ho. Whoa, before we get banned off YouTube here, we sound just like the, we sound just like Rancid. <laughs> yes, I sound Rancid. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> Ruby Soho, the big joker. She was the, the surprise entrance, and usually the surprise entrance at any AEW Battle Royal in these casino deals. Well, they're the winner. <laughs> yeah, and, um, well, we also had... The return of Riho come back into you, this match. You would have to know that. she left, but... Right. But uh, either way, this thing broke down to the final two, Ruby Soho and... Can you help me out? No. Well, anyway... <laughs> Ruby Soho and some other chick were the last two in the <sighs> ring, and that was actually pretty entertaining. The last, like, what? Three or four minutes of this match. Oh, it was Thunder Rosa. Really... Thunder Rosa. Yes, Thunder Sorry. Rosa. I'm like, I can picture I like it in my head. I feel like a goddamn idiot for forgetting that. But yeah, if you just tuned out and ate chicken wings for the first 15 minutes of this thing, and then you just tuned in and watched uh, Ruby Soho go at it with Thunder Rosa, them two can definitely work together, and I'm excited to see them put on a great match sometime in the future. But... They Lo and behold, they didn't the know how to get out of a pay-per-view. I mean, they didn't know how to get out of a battle royal, though. They put on a great <laughs> match. If it could have ended with a pin, it would have been wonderful. But they couldn't figure out how to eliminate one another to save their goddamn lives. They were doing the... Ruby Soho's going to give a belly-to-back suplex off of the apron. Then Thunder Rosa's hanging on by one hand, and Ruby just watches her. So you're going, oh. well, kick her hand! 
do something. So finally it happened and Thunder Rosa fell to the ground and you've got Ruby Soho showing up, surprise entrant, and she is your new number one contender. All you got to do is win a battle royal. That's what it is. And uh, I think actually that was a stipulation. You're now the number one contender. Yeah. So whatever that's worth, that and 50 cents gets you a cup of coffee. What did we do after we ate some chicken wings and watched that? I think more chicken <laughs> wings came out eventually, but what did we do after that? <laughs> uh, next, while we were cleaning these bones, waiting for more to pop out, we had Chris Jericho taking on Maxwell Jacob Friedman to save his AEW career, Brian. This was a must win for Mr. Jericho. Was anybody, anybody thinking he's going to lose? It'll be 4-0, and oh, and MJF will just bury Jericho, and the match will be over. Did anybody think that at all? Sound off on our Instagram or TikTok there. Let us know your thoughts on that. Send me an email. Hop on over to the uh, anchor.fm slash the kayfabe smart and leave us a voicemail and let me know that you really believed MJF was going to win this thing <laughs> because we knew he wasn't. It was impossible. We knew he wasn't, but we also knew he should have. The... um. The only possibility that Chris Jericho is going to lose this is if him and Fozzie wanted to go out on tour and uh, spread the Judas amongst other things. And um, But yeah, Chris Jericho, first things first, the awkwardness starts out right at the beginning because Jericho comes out with just a guitarist, one guitarist, not a live band, playing Judas. He doesn't have Fozzie come with him. He just has a guy on a guitar playing the singing part of Judas on his electric guitar, and the audience is trying to sing along, but they have no idea what's going on. And that was a kind of uh, botched moment, I would say. And just the music Jericho's never, entrance. Yeah, and the music never kicked in. His real theme song never kicked in. There should have been a good spot to trigger it in to play along. But before we even had Jericho enter, we had MJF enter. And he he got us all with the 10-second countdown and what looked like Jericho's entrance from WWE. And then it, you know, as soon as it was supposed to be, you're going to get the bring the wall down. You just got whatever MJF's. You got MJF popping out and it's like, I just went, shit, he got me. He got me. He got me. I thought Jericho was going to do a play on all his entrances. But then Jericho comes out. He does his nonsense with the guitar. It goes over like a fart in church. And that's how this thing gets kicked off. And then as for the match itself, they worked well together. Really? Uh, Because this was the first time they've ever fought together. Wait a minute. It was (laughs) the fourth time that the two have fought. (laughs) They have lots of practice. Yeah. and How could it be bad? <laughs> hopefully this thing ends. Um, who knows? After MJF's promo on uh, on Wednesday night, yeah. who knows? They might go back to the well on this one. I hope they don't. But um, Jericho, one thing you can say about him is he is a lot slower. He is a lot sloppier. Yeah. But... Because he's a pro and he's been doing this for 30 years, 
he's pretty damn good at hiding it and working with an athletic guy, a young athletic guy like MJF. Jericho can save those steps. He can do a half-ass Irish whip. He can work on the outside, and he knows how to kind it all put together where he can save his energy and not hurt himself but still put on a decent match. Yeah, Jericho knows what to do. Physically being able to do it at the level that he was is it just happens like you just can't keep going at that level as you age it just doesn't happen but if he can surround himself with young guys and that can do that stuff that he used to be able to do and get him over or you know make the whole match look good why not you know and he can do that to an extent as long as he can keep his ego out the way right and um that's one thing jericho's never gonna lose is his ego but uh this was another match brian where rules matter in AEW, Brian, when they're convenient. When they're convenient. So we're jumping towards the end here? <laughs> uh, yeah, nothing too special about this one. We've seen these guys wrestle four times now. But um, <laughs> the, the fact that AEW just lets all the rules out of the window 99% of the time, but now all of a sudden they're convenient for the ending of the match is just pure lazy booking, and uh, that's the way this thing went down. So we got MJF wrapping things up. He's gonna win. He uh, what's he what's he hit? Does he? What's his finisher besides the salt of the earth thing? I don't remember. I forget what he hit yeah. him with. But nonetheless, he gets him into that pinning predicament. Aubrey Edwards counts out the one, two, three. But what happens? In between, Jericho gets his foot on the rope. Jericho gets his foot on the rope. Now, mind you, we've seen about 500 rules be broken previously in this match. But now Jericho gets his foot on the rope. Aubrey doesn't see it. She makes the three count. Senior official, Paul Turner, Johnny on the spot. Turner's a moron. <laughs> that Paul Turner makes his way down to the ring. Even after Jericho called him a moron. Right, Jericho. Yeah, Turner's a moron. Yeah, Jericho said that. <laughs> Paul Turner saves the day. Senior official tells Aubrey, Jericho had his foot on the rope. The three count is not valid. Go ahead and restart the match. And then from there, it was a wrap. Um, I believe MJF gets... Uh, Salt of the earth on, but Jericho wiggles his way out of it. We end up seeing a Judas at one point, and then it's a wrap. One, two, three. Jericho saves his ass Get and the, saves his career. Not even a one, two, three. Remember, it was he put him into the uh, lion tamer, and then he had oh. him in that Boston Crab lion tamer walls of Jericho, and then uh, the, he tapped out because he got the That's you tapped right. out chant. And uh, MJF taps out. Nonetheless, Jericho wins. Has anybody ever won twice in a reversal call ever in the history of pro wrestling? Meaning, Paul Turner calls it back and says, M Jericho's foot was on the ropes, and then MJF just turns around and just puts the salt of the earth on him, and Jericho taps, and it's like, I mean, imagine the, the storyline that you'd be like, what was the point in that nonsense? But you're right, everything happens behind the ref's back. Paul Turner supposedly sees everything. He's the senior official but doesn't call anything else, <laughs> but he called this. Right. And, uh, yeah, this thing ended. It, it should have ended the way I said, with just a lucky victory for Jericho. He saves his ass by the skin of the teeth, but no, he straight out 
straight up taps out MJF and it's an embarrassing loss for MJF. And hopefully he just moves on from this shit show and Jericho's done leeching off him and sucking the blood out of uh, MJF here. Yes, 100%. What happened after that? After that, Brian, we had our match of the night, in my book anyway. Well, yes. CM Punk taking on Darby Allen, and uh, You never thought you'd say those words, did you? You just said Darby <laughs> Allen was in the years. match of the night. You literally, after 69 episodes, have just said Darby Allen was in match of the night. Now, a little bit of controversy sparked out of this match, Brian. You and I watched it. We, we didn't pick up on this little tidbit Easter egg that I'm about to drop on your head right now. After this thing aired, you and I said it was an awesome match. They worked together. You could see Punk communicating. You could see him a little bit too much communicating with Darby Allen, but he was calling the match in the ring, improvising when it needed to happen, calling spots, pulling those spots off beautifully. And after this match aired, a lot of people started comparing it to a 1994 match on Monday Night Raw between the one, two, three kid and Brett the Hitman Hart. Now, I was like, okay, I get it. These two are similar. Uh, Darby Allen and CM Punk are similar in stature with career and size to Bret Hart and one, two, three kid. I get it. Let's leave it at that. Then, Brian, I saw a comparison, and there was at least four spots very detailed that we don't see very often in many other wrestling matches down to a facial expression from punk that was spot on literally control V'd from 1994 into this match. There was at least four spots that were just perfectly copied, perfectly lifted from that 1994 match. And that is where, the debate comes in where I'm not sure what side I'm on, Brian. Was it an homage that because we know that wrestling is scripted, we should just take it as a tribute to a legendary match that happened um, almost 30 years ago? Or do we say these guys didn't have the creative mind to put on an amazing match on their own, they had to steal one from 1994. Yeah, but where did Brett and the kids steal that from? It's Everything's produced, remixed, twisted, and made your own. Everything across the line. So I'm not mad at it, but I think I remember a spot when he... Uh, didn't one of them take a take a hot one to the chest there? And somebody, uh, J- and I think Jr. said, "Oh, that's a Bret Hart, sp- uh, you know, Bret Hart made that or did that, or that's a Bret Hart something there with taking that sternum shot and getting thrown right into the turnbuckle." That's right. Yeah, because you uh, you pointed that out. Bret Hart loves to take that turnbuckle to the sternum. Yeah, and that's when we were t- started talking about how you know. Getting your shit in didn't always mean the offense or getting defense in or whatever. You know, you beating up the other guy meant you getting beat up as well as we were comparing that. But I'm not mad at it. Go ahead, lift it, twist it, make it your own. 
we probably I mean FTR lifted the whole Arn Anderson Tully Blanchard gimmick and made their own <laughs> their own tag team out of it. Right, but they're not doing um I mean, are they? I mean, we haven't gone back and watched every uh, Arn and Tully tag team match. <laughs> That's true, but I'm just saying they basically took four spots and I'm talking muscle movement from muscle movement lifted it. At one point uh Punk, oh, actually, at the very beginning, Punk and Darby lock up, and they're struggling to gain an advantage on one another. Darby ends up uh, pulling an arm drag out of this thing, hip toss, arm drag, something like that. Punk, as he's sitting up and getting up, tilts his head and kind of like, well, this kid's got it. And then same exact spot, struggling to gain an advantage. One, two, three, kid, hip toss, arm drags, Bret Hart. Bret Hart sits up and goes to stand up tilts his head and is like, well, you know, they, <laughs> they did the spot copy and paste. They didn't make it their own. That was my argument. And I'm not shitting on this match because it was amazing. I just don't know where I stand on it. That's the only thing. Well, I think punk overshadows it and I don't give a damn, <laughs> <laughs> but definitely still, even after learning that information, this match was match of the night. These two worked fantastically together, and um, I can't wait to see what's next for CM Punk. Darby Allen, um, he's just going to go back to his daredevil shit, but he's still a hell of a worker, and he knows his shit. Yep, and he gets he keeps getting the name tossed around, everybody that debuted and people that have you know, have been talking and throwing the name Darby Allen, Jungle Boy. These names keep getting repeated, so people are thinking highly of some of these, you know, young cats, which is good. That's what this company's going to survive on. They're going to be built upon the backs of Jericho, Cole, uh, you know, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, things along those lines, uh, and CM Punk, and then they're going to stay standing for your MJFs and your Jungle Boys and these types of things. Your Darby's. I mean, like him or not, he's a he's a brick in the wall. <laughs> Without him, you know, you need it. You need Darby now. You need him. Yeah, Darby is a huge staple in the in the AEW company right now. Um, but basically, Punk executed his job to a T in this thing. He made Darby Allen look like a million bucks. Showed off all their strengths together, but still hit that go to sleep. And got the pin on Darby Allen. And then at the end of it, he did not raise his hand. He did not hug him. He did shake his hand. And he moved away. Moved on with it. And then Punk decided to drop every F-bomb in the world. And say, it's, <laughs> I've been gone for seven years. Act like you fucking forgot. There's so many of these things. He's screaming and yelling, fuck this, fuck you, fuck them. Uh, so there you go. That was Punk. He was very excited to start cursing and yelling. But he didn't do the all-friends wrestling, as Eric hates so much. Right. After every match, it seems like with a huge rivalry, they just want to hug each other and raise each other's hands. I'm like, oh my god, I'm so honored to wrestle you, and well, it just uh, it just goes back to the we're all buddies, we're all pals. Shit, Sting came in and challenged Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. They had a match together, and now he's his manager. I mean, that's how good of friends they became after wrestling. <laughs> right. We only wrestle for purely competition. We don't wrestle. We uh, we don't get emotionally involved. We don't bully each other here in all friends wrestling. But um, 
Let's see. So that wrapped up with Punk winning there. He drops all the F-bombs, and that's what reminded me, the F-bombs. A, another Japanese wrestler, and I don't have it written down, so his name is escaping me, but apparently he is the fella who created the go-to-sleep or popularized the go-to-sleep over in Japan, and he tweeted out, fuck you, CM Punk. <laughs> well. You know, what are you going to so, do? Who knows? I, Maybe we'll see Punk and Jude Japan, though. I can't think of his name either. I can picture that son of a bitch in my head, and it'll click to me in a minute. <laughs> Ken, Kenta? Kenta. Yeah, Kenta yeah. did it. Remember, he came over to New Japan. He came over, and he was in AEW. He wrestled for a minute. He came over and fought Moxley for a half second. That's right. Apparently, he made the go to sleep. Right. He did the GTS as well. That's who it was. I'm like, ah, I can think of it. Kenta, yes. Anyways, go on. Look at me with my Japanese wrestling knowledge. Straight up encyclopedia right here, folks. If you're not tuning in, you're missing out. <laughs> not tuning in, you're missing out. Next, we got our cool down match. Our I gotta go take a piss. This was uh, grab this, some more chicken wings. Match. This cooled us so much down. We forgot this son of a bitch was on the goddamn card. We said they're gonna have MJF and Jericho, Punk and Darby Allen, and then finish it with Kenny Omega taking on Christian. Like that is a triple threat head, uh, you know, triple headliner there. We forgot about. Well, it's not the Big Show, and uh, the other guy. <laughs> so we had QT Marshall in his big rivalry, this big show of a rivalry with Paul White here, and boy, this thing stunk on ice. I mean, they did what they could with it. We knew from the moment we saw Paul White walking out with a singlet on and his weeble-wobble knees pointing inward and he can barely walk. This is 1993 Andre the Giant right here. Yeah, he's going to be leaning on ropes, leaning on the guy. Unfortunately, he just doesn't need to be in the ring. He can still do his commentary. He can still be involved as like an enforcer or something, but he just doesn't need to be in the ring. It's just not the same. We didn't get any explanation from last week of why... Billy Gunn hit him with a chair and, quote, turned his back on him. Billy Gunn wasn't even at nowhere to be seen, never, no promo, no nothing. Didn't come out with QT Marshall in any sense of the way. Just, I hit you with a chair, go fish. And all we just decided that that was about was just to be able to say, when he is slow and moving slow, they go, remember, he got hit with a chair in that surgically repaired hip. That's all it was. Yeah, but anyway, uh, AEW did their best to cover this shit show up. Uh, we had Camarado and Aaron Solo getting involved. Big show just knock. I mean, I'm sorry, Paul White knocking them out. I sound like Jim Ross right there. Um, Paul White just makes quick work of QT Marshall. And then just my only question here is this is we didn't know what Paul White had left in him before this match but after watching this match it's clear that paul white doesn't have too many matches left in him why would we waste one of those very few matches one of those very few in-ring appearances why are we wasting those with qt marshall nobody gives a flying fuck about qt marshall why wouldn't we use a a bigger name because then you'd have to, to put on a show. Because then when they go out and get buried, they're like, "You really? You just got the big show?" And he's leaning on ropes and breathing heavy in the corner and laying on people. 
with bear hugs. You know, to get you know, CM Punk went out there and got buried by him. John Moxley, what are we doing here? Well, I think that's where you go with the Hogan and Andre at one point. Maybe they're working towards that. Who knows? Maybe um, one of their top stars will take on Big Show and body slam them and do a, a leg drop and call it a day. There you go. I don't know. We will see. It stunk. It was what it was. Actually, I can't even say it stunk. It was exactly what I expected. I don't get mad when I go right. out when I see my dog shit, and then I go outside and find dog shit. Like it was exactly <laughs> what I expected. Dog shit. Dog shit is the perfect analogy for that match. And then we move into our main event, Brian. We have Kenny Omega defending his AEW World Title against Christian Cage. And um, I'm gonna be honest with you. By the time this came out, this match happened, I was emotionally. I was drained. I was too. This was a very long pay-per-view. I believe it was three hours and 47 minutes. Yeah. And that was a hell of a long time to watch wrestling in a... Uh, but even not even so much that for me. It was that triple, like, headliner, you know, main event that you had going on. It, you barely had time to recover, even with the cool-down match with... Uh, Marshall and not the big show, like, you're still hot off of Punk and Darby Allen. You know, you had that cage match. There was a lot going on. Whether you loved it or hated it, it was a lot going on. You had Britt with the tag or with the women's championship. Like, there was a lot happening. By the time this came out, you're like, oh, yeah, oh my God, there's still this. <laughs> um, and they didn't, and I thought also, too, it was a little lackluster on the building towards this match. We already saw him fight once, you know, Christian won. Right. And then so it was like, you know, that kind of took some of the fun out of it. We It's not like we we didn't get to see Punk fight before he fought. We got to see Punk fight, so that was a big deal, and that was a lot of energy that got spent on that. So I don't know. I just think that's burnt me out a little bit. I was a little burnt out by the end of this. They were, And then this match moved a little slow. Yeah, I'm in the same boat here. So... Um, these two, we've seen them work together before and Christian cage, he once again, been in the business for a long time. He took some time off, but he he still knows what he's doing in there. He still knows how to work with guys. He gets a really good match out of Kenny Omega. Um, Kenny Omega is missing a little bit in his fundamentals. Christian cage knows how to, uh, kind of bring that out and make Omega look great. And they both looked great in this match. Like you said, it moved a little slow. Uh, Christian Cage on the uh, other side of 40 at this point. But uh, this match was another one where it was exactly what we expected. I know I expected to Kenny, that Kenny Omega would retain his AEW championship. I believe you thought the same thing. But if you go over to TikTok, the Kayfabe Smart, we posted a video with a poll, and the majority of our fans over on TikTok thought Christian Cage was going to win this match. It would have been good, but it wouldn't have made sense for the ending. Now that we know what it is, right? <laughs> they had right, so that's where it had to go. But I just think it just they could have put it just because it's. The, 
is it bad that you can put the heavyweight, the championship match somewhere else on the card? They could have opened with it. We've seen yeah. titles being defended on opening. Like Punk headlining a match against Darby Allen as a main event in Chicago. You know, I don't think it would have been terrible. So I think just a different placement of this or a rearrangement of it or had Punk open up the um or open up the pay-per-view or something, but it was a little too much, a little too high the whole time on this pay-per-view. There was never enough. They didn't bring me down uh, enough when I needed it. It was all at the end. <laughs> Right, and um, I almost I almost feel guilty not spending a ton of time on this match because it was the main event. It was for the AEW World Championship, but compared to what we've already seen, this match was just kind of average. It was a good match overall, but either way, what happened after was the real news. Oh. What happened after was the real excitement. That was it. So we move along, and uh, Kenny gets his W. He keeps the championship, right? We go, right. We're, just, we're jumping towards all this stuff here. We're just moving past this. Yeah, right. we're moving on making, to making sure uh, I'm working in the same Omega retains. Making sure I'm working the same timeline as you are, <laughs> and uh, they're they're celebrating with the elite in the ring. He bids you adieu, you know. Oh, in that. Oh wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He says. Nobody can challenge him for this. He's the best. What are you going to do? Anybody who either should challenge me is either I've beaten, they've retired, or they're dead. Dead is the key word there. Dead was the next little hidden Easter egg inside there. And you put that along with the uh, Britsburg sunrise that happened earlier in the night. Lights go out after he bid you adieu. Good night. Uh... Lights go out, and who appears? Mr. Adam Cole, baby. Baby. He comes out. He stares him down. He says, do you remember what you did to me? And then he throws a super kick into Jungle Boy. And then they scream. Somebody in the commentary says, why'd he super kick Jungle Boy? And I believe my response is, why wouldn't you super kick Jungle Boy? (laughs) (laughs) And unfortunately, that was a little contrived, too. Jungle Boy was dead as a doornail after uh, the the uh, Jurassic Express interaction with the Elite after that match. But um, <clears throat> all of a sudden, Adam Cole's in the ring, and Jungle Boy has to use the ropes and crawl to his feet like he's going to do something and just happens to get right into position for Adam Cole to kick him right in the stupid mouth. To kick his face off. Now... If you don't know what I'm talking about by being dead and remember what you did to me on the Being the Elite several years back on their YouTube show, uh, they were going to, quote, pull a rib on Adam Cole, and I've got a bug flying in my face. I apologize about the flinching there. Uh, they were going to pull a rib on Adam Cole, and they were going to put something in his drink, and they thought it was funny, and then it killed Adam Cole in Being the Elite, and that's how he died and left Being the Elite. Because he had signed a contract with WWE slash NXT, he was going over there to do all his nonsense. So it was always a running joke for the last four, three, four, five years on being the elite that Adam Cole was dead. Adam Cole's dead. Adam Cole's dead. The death of Adam Cole. The ghost of Adam Cole. They would always call back to it. Very funny. Made me laugh. But that's what that joke is about. So... Now he super kicks Jungle Boy, and he joins his buddies in the Elite. 
The Young Bucks lay their patented kiss on him, where they kiss each cheek. That's something, again, they've been doing for many a year. And uh, here we stand with Adam Cole, Bebe, in All Elite Wrestling. And we think that's the end, Brian. That is the perfect cherry on top of the Sunday for the night. But that's not all, folks. All of a sudden, <laughs> Flight of the Concords kicks in, a nice little hip-hop remix of it, and here comes none other than Brian Danielson with a little nice tight top knot on top of his head, and the yes chants start going bananas throughout the entire arena. Right. He is back. He is here. He is AEW. He's looking fresh. He's looking healthy. He's looking good. And he gets in the ring. And is he joining the elite? No. <laughs> Not at all. He is joining the good guys. They run off the bad guys. And uh, it's a wrap on the television show or on the pay-per-view. We go off air at that point, And then uh, a few people who are in the audience decided this was a good time to bust out their phones and Brian Danielson delivers off air. He delivers a promo. Uh, long story short, puts over the WWE said he loved working there. Uh, he had a great time working there, but this is where he wanted to be because there's so much young talent to work with so many guys he wants to work with. And once again, long story short, AEW in Daniel Bryan's mind is the place to be, the company to help grow and blow up. Brian Danielson, not Daniel Bryan, you silly goose. You're going to call Oops. him by the wrong name for about a year and a half until he goes back to WWE, <laughs> and then you're going to forget what it was again. Yeah, I think they got a lot here. They've got a lot. we got a Ruby Riot. We've got an Adam Cole. We've got a Brian Danielson. You got CM Punk, you've got Jericho, you've got MJF, you've got Miro, you've got Moxley. Yeah, you got a lot, but can you maintain it? Don't fall into the curse of WCW by the only pop that you're getting for your ratings, for your pay-per-view buys is who did you steal away from WWE and then not know what to do with them. Don't pull a WCW with Bret Hart and sign Bret Hart and then not know how to use Bret Hart. How do you not know how to use Bret Hart? So they, they drop the ball with that. AEW, just if they can play this right, they'll be doing good. You know, and just like you stated right after this when we were done watching it, they need to get like one more person. You threw out Charlotte Flair, now KO being in the mix, and close the borders. <laughs> yes. Because they're going to get into the waters where they have way too many big names for their not small enough. amount of shows that they do. That's it. Way too many names and not enough minutes on TV. And these guys right. aren't creeping on the come up, so they're not looking to be at house shows, which AEW doesn't even run. But you get what I'm putting out here. They're not even going to be at house shows or they're not going to be doing you know these pre-taped Saturday morning shows. It's going to be, did I get on? did I get on Rampage and did I get on Dynamite? Can I get on the pay-per-view? No. How am I supposed to eat? <laughs> and so you got that, and then there's just so many things I fear, mainly two big fears, that because AEW also has two or three YouTube shows, 
and only three hours of television per week between Rampage and Dynamite, I fear that they're going to start watering down the the Brian Danielsons, watering down the Adam Coles, watering down the CM Punks by making them do YouTube shows, which just come off as low rent. I don't see that, but that's just my gut right now. I, I there is a, that could happen. Yes, I don't see it happening. Unfortunately, what I see happening is almost the other side of that coin where your Daniel Brian Brian Danielson and your CM Punks are going to steal the airtime from Dynamite, pushing, you know, I, I, I don't know who, who I'm going to pick off the top of my head, but Serpentico. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, Fago, Fago Del Sol. Fago Del Sol. They're going to be your YouTube guys, and it's going to be really hard for them to get on TV because you're going to want Punk to be there. Punk was there on Wednesday night. Adam Cole was there on Wednesday night. Brian Danielson was there on Wednesday night. And not a lick of them were in a pair of wrestling boots. And then my other fear, Brian, is that these huge stars that they're bringing over are just going to become one of the boys. Uh, They're going to get that mindset that we're over here just to have fun and we're going to do goofy spots and comedy wrestling, and that's what wrestling is nowadays, and we're just here to have fun and fuck off. Well, that's not how CM Punk got famous. That's not how Brian Danielson got famous. I understand they were indie stars that the fans just absolutely loved, and they made their way over to WWE, but they weren't doing Young Bucks matches, as far as I remember. Um do you were Daniel Bryan and CM Punk doing flips off of 30 foot cages through tables and Punk had his moments of, of of doing some big stuff trying to put on some spots but you know I think it was a picky choosy thing Punk was always a performer of wrestling Daniel Bryan Bryan Danielson is going to this going to be the hardest thing for me to transition into saying is that Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson is uh, going to tongue tie me forever. Uh, he was all about it. The, the moves, the wrestling, the chain wrestling and that Japanese style where it'd be this move to that move to this move to that move. And you're going hold for hold with a guy and then you stop and you look at each other and then the crowd claps. You know, right. Like so that's almost my point. Exactly. So Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson was all about the chain wrestling all about the technicalities, making things look smooth. And then also he's great on the mic and he knows how to work the ring psychology. Punk, absolute master of ring psychology, absolute master on the mic. My point is that the independent wrestling community fell in love with these guys for doing what they do. And those things weren't 32 Tope Suicidas and uh, nothing but contrived spots throughout their whole entire match so i guess what i'm getting at is earlier i said is this wrestling now when we were talking about the lucha brothers and young bucks i'm hoping that and i don't really think it will happen that brian danielson and cm punk i don't think they're gonna fall into that trap but i'm hoping the opposite happens where they pull them out they kind of make these fans realize that 
wrestling is not all about goofy, entertaining spots. You love CM Punk for a reason, not goofy spots. You love Dan- Brian Danielson for a reason, and that reason is not as goofy spots. So hopefully they can kind of meld this thing together and bring some pure wrestling, pure ring psychology, pure promo skills, and frank, frankly, pure storyline telling, storytelling. Yeah, I think with the guys they brought shows. over, we're going to talk about the three, Punk, Brian Danielson, and Adam Cole. They didn't bring them over young. They brought them over established and chips on their shoulders. Let's be honest. They can't not. They are CM Punk, Adam Cole, and Brian Day, the three hottest guys you can sign right now, right? Biggest right. news you've heard. They pull a million people without a special name, pop culture, nothing AEW did because they were going to be there. They sold out uh, Chicago Live for Rampage on a rumor that CM Punk was going to be there. On a rumor. This is big gets. So I don't think any of them are going to do what they don't want to do. I mean, Punk walked away from WWE. He'd tell AEW to go screw if he's not going to play there. If they won't play his game. I think he'll be a team player, but I don't think he'll let it go to the point of ridiculousness. He he won't get to the point where he's letting Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks dictate everything he does in the ring. I mean, he walked just, away from just WWE. for goofy fun. He right. walked away from WWE. He'll walk away from these guys. <laughs> right, but uh, I think that wrapped things up for uh yeah for the all out here and um just want to touch on a few things on the follow-up show a follow-up show on dynamite here first things first my favorite thing about wednesday night dynamite last night was the absence of excalibur brian yes we replaced excalibur with taz that was good for a bit and Overall, though, I would say it was fantastic. Yes, but um, here's another thing. Why did they tell us where he was? I don't. Did I, there's no way I missed it. I watched I the care. entire show. But just, it's just the point, though. Like, just to say, he's he just, it's different. When JR left or Macho Man left in commentary, you know, on Raw, they stated what happened. Hey, you know, we come to. Obviously, they got fired or whatever, but they get sick or something. Just to say something. You just, just, just put Taz there and go, oh, it's the same guy. <laughs> it's just a... No, um, Jim Ross actually did. Oh, did he? Did I miss uh, it? Yeah. You missed it, but it was a stupid reason. No, um, Excalibur was absent from this week's show because, quote unquote, he's getting married in a few days. Oh, and uh, so he needed yeah. some time off to get married. I was more oh. surprised somebody would marry that mask goof. I hope he wears his mask during the wedding. He calls it a, oh, God, he's going to call them, like, the, the wedding in, like, excrement fashion. He's going to be like, that's a put the ring on the finger suicida. He's going to dive. <laughs> uh, he's got to come up with something for the bouquet toss. He's like, uh, the bouquet flambe. <laughs> The Kenta Kid, he's got to name it after a Japanese wrestler too. The Saba Yushi uh, Boke Flambe. Yeah, <laughs> Mike, the entire night. But uh, just to uh, run through this thing real quick, we got a, a pretty good match out of uh, another over 50 star here, Dustin Rhodes. Him and Malachi Black went at it. Um, 
just to kind of touch on the point that rules only matter when they're convenient. Ref Aubrey was counting when both guys, uh, being Malachi and Dustin Rhodes, were on the outside. Malachi and Dustin were taking a little too long to get ready for their table spot where uh, Dustin was going to get put through a table. Aubrey just stopped counting. And then Dustin laid on the outside for about a whole commercial break, and uh, well, she didn't count then either. She didn't count then either. And then, uh, per usual, Malachi's kicks look black or look fantastic. Uh, I believe Taz said that the way that he kicks makes his legs look longer and act longer, and then he tried to, to make it like it was a real thing. The fact that it came okay. from Taz, who's four foot seven, and talks about throwing kicks and how they make your legs longer. Uh, he, that's I, just wishful thinking for Taz. He wishes his legs were longer. I think he's getting that your the reach is longer by using the angles that he kicks at. You get what okay, I'm, I like that it. makes sense, but he says by kicking that it makes your leg. No, my leg is still the same length. I'm just kicking at different angles or something. But, anyways, I found that to be pretty funny. And um, so, just Malachi being being the heel, uh, taunting Dustin Rhodes the entire time, working his leg, brings out Cody's boot to put in Dustin's face to taunt him. He stores it under the ring. I mean, it travels with the <laughs> ring crew. They keep it under the ring until Cody comes back to get it. That boot it stays with the ring crew. It does. That's just where it belongs. Um, let's see. Oh, we get a Canadian destroyer from, not from Malachi Black, who you would expect to do a Canadian destroyer. Oh, since no. he's, Dustin's uh, been throwing this in his repertoire. <laughs> We get a 50-year-old grandpa <laughs> doing Canadian Destroyers in the ring. And if anybody wants to make wrestling look fake, that's the way to do it. Um, and more rules only count when they're convenient. We have another exposed turnbuckle here. Dustin Rhodes ends up getting his face smashed into the turnbuckle. And uh, Malachi Black, God bless his soul. He's a tad bit shorter than Dustin. Did the spinning heel kick and kicked Dustin right in the shoulder blade, and that was enough to put Dustin out for the count, and the commentators tried to cover it up yeah. by saying, I'm pretty sure the turnbuckle knocked him out, but he also got kicked pretty hard too. <laughs> yeah, they they tried. It, it happens, and life goes on. There's nothing you could, I mean, that's just, uh, you let those ones go. That wasn't an AEW moment. That was just a bad moment in wrestling, just a bad timing. Um, just going to pick up on a few highlights of this show here. Miro and Eddie Kingston are kind of doing a dueling promo here, which ends with Miro is going to give Eddie Kingston's bones to his wife as a trophy. And he's going to give his soul to his God. So Miro He's still playing this gimmick up, and I am eating it up. Yeah, Miro, I say it every week for the past couple months. He's doing fantastic with this chosen God, chosen from God championship. He is the redeemer. Yeah, it's not bad. It's going over pretty good. It's better than the the best friend or whatever he was, the best man in playing video games. <laughs> uh, we CM Punk comes out, huge pop. It's clobbering time. He is uh, basically cutting a promo in the ring. Uh, talks up AEW, talks up Darby Allen, wants to know what the audience wants for his next opponent. Uh, Who should he take on next? Uh, and this is where Marble Mouth Taz gets involved. 
grabs the mic and tells Punk, don't you dare mention a member of Team Taz as somebody you want to fight. I didn't. <laughs> and Punk doesn't let it go. He's like, wait, who said anything about anybody from Team Taz? I didn't say anything. And Taz tries to stick to the, yeah, yeah, you did. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure on an interview. Uh, uh, oh, don't man, you dare. Don't you dare. Show. Don't you dare. I was screaming. Just no sell it. No sell this. And have him be like, all right, I won't. So back to the crowd. What do you guys want to hear? And then just imagine <laughs> that backstage. So Punk covers it up as best as possible from the nonsense. I think Taz's. this is where some people say, like, oh, you know, AEW, we don't have writers. Well, maybe, maybe we should. You know, a guy like CM Punk, maybe a guy like Brian Danielson, maybe even an Adam Cole. But Kenny Omega probably needs one. So it's not just the top guys, but you can pick off some here and there that can get away with it. Taz can't. And he shit all over this. Punk tries to save it, does the best he can. He says, you give me you give me Hook. You give me Hobbs. You give me, uh, what the hell's the other guy's name? Uh, Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks. You give me them, you know. And then, he, and then the best, the insult to injury, the Taz quote thrown back at him. Survive if I let you, or beat me if you can. Survive if I let you, and throws Taz's old uh, ECW quote right in his face. I thought that was great. Yeah, so it got a little jumbled in the middle there, but this this interaction between Taz and Punk, they definitely are pros. Unfortunately, Taz got a little marble mouth, like I said, but you can feel the heat. You know they're working because they're such pros, but Punk telling Taz. Don't you dare ever interrupt me again. I felt it. It was punk is so good that I was like, oh man, he's pissed for real. Yeah. It was, <laughs> and it was a it, translation from wrestling talk. Don't you dare interrupt me again and come in here with horse shit. You dumb fuck. <laughs> like <laughs> if you're going to interrupt, if you're going to, if you're going to your spots, to interrupt me, interrupt me and do it right. Otherwise sit there and shut up. If you're not going to do it right. <laughs> Pretty much translated perfectly, Mr. Rampa. Um, Santana and Ortiz do a video package just to let us know they still exist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this was the night of promos. Ruby Soho and Britt Baker are backstage. They're teasing their eventual match that's going to happen. I like that. Uh, Ruby, to... I like that Ruby called her Brittany. Hello, Brittany. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then Brittany throws a hot one throws a hot potato right at Ruby Soho here says your gimmicks, the runaways or whatever. Why don't you run away to catering where you spent the last four years of your life? That was a pretty good one. That was fantastic. Brick can talk and uh, props to Adam Cole. If he's the one teaching her how to cut a promo. Um, Powerhouse Hobbs defeated Dante Martin. Nothing too special about this one. Just uh, some power moves and some spot monkey moves. It happened. Dollar Store Jim Cornette, Dan Lambert made his appearance with Scorpio <laughs> Sky and Ethan Page. I did <laughs> read an inter. I did read an interesting thing on Twitter today that some uh, speculation of where this Dan Lambert character comes in is that they're using that to copy what the trolls are saying on the internet to like. Eminem 8 Mile themselves. Like, they can make fun of themselves through Dan Lambert, who can then 
So that way they're taking away the power from the trolls, if you will. So they can say, these guys are short, these guys are little, these guys suck, you guys this, you AEW, AEW, you chant all this, ha 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 ha. So everything that people hate on AEW about, he can make fun of and, you know, cheddar bob himself. Or AEW can cheddar bob <laughs> themselves. Right. Um, well... If they keep it up, they are going to shoot themselves in the leg, just like Bob. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> make me shoot myself. Yeah, and then so it, it it was just an interesting thought on it, but it still sucks. I don't care for this Dan Lambert thing because nothing's happening no. from it. It's going too long. Like get in the ring or manage a te- manage a team or leave or whatever. But, but yeah, just to come on and just do troll speak, it's almost like. Um, if if it is exactly what you're saying, they're just kind of uh, using the eight mile approach and just putting out there what all the trolls are saying, almost to make fun of it, to make it not count. Uh, they're overdoing it, yes. and it's just kind of coming off that the people like Jim Cornette and his followers, the people like you and I who criticize when wrestling just comes off as way too fake, it's almost like we're in their heads. And they are focused on it way too much that they're wasting TV time on it. Yeah, right. Give it to somebody. If you're else. so proud of what you're doing, just do what you do. That's it. A uh, little video package for Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy. The big, uh, the big uh, conflict on this one, Brian. Matt Hardy wants to shave Orange Cassidy's head. Oh, Orange Cassidy, the king of the promos. Cool. Whatever. Whatever. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. Oh, here, sir, is the highlight of the night. MJF. MJF. I haven't heard any news. It's only been a day since this aired. But MJF cut a scathing heel promo on Cincinnati, on the Pillmans. You... And he went after everybody. He went deep on this one. Um, never mind the you tapped out chance. You forget about those immediately when uh, MJF gets going on, and I quote, shits and Addy. Yeah, he makes fun of Skyline Chili. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is the Midwest because everything here is mid. And you and I are from the Midwest, Brian. Skyline Chili is mid. And. <laughs> I guess that means middle of the road. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing. I think that's what um, he's going for. So you got star of Dark Side of the Ring. I can't remember her name, but Brian Pillman Sr.'s aunt who raised him. MJF threatens to knock her teeth down her throat. Yeah. The lady next to her is pregnant. MJF accuses her of getting pregnant by her father. And then as he approaches her, she lets him know that Brian Pillman Sr. is her father. So that kind of came off a little <laughs> awkward. Um, so. And, you, and then you're going to definitely get, by all this teasing of the Pillman family, you're going to get uh, Brian Pillman Jr. coming out. <laughs> Brian Pillman Jr. comes out to defend his sister, to defend his aunt, and to defend the great city of Cincinnati which is fantastic because that's where he's from, that's where his father's from, and that's where John Moxley's from. Um, and then MJF just destroys him. And Wardlow. 
Oh, he destroys Wardlow in the mix. This thing was gold, Brian. MJF has such commitment to being hated. I, I can't get enough. He, uh, he, MJF mocks Brian Pillman Jr. at first just for coming out and challenging him, saying that it's a shame that his drug-addicted mother, Methany, <laughs> Pillman immediately gets hot after that one. Uh, MJF corrects himself and says that Methany should have swallowed Brian Pillman like she did with the other potential 500 wrestling stars that <laughs> she could have produced. Yeah, and then in this, you know, uh, Brian Pillman Jr. gets a little hot, and Wardlow steps between, and then he tells Wardlow, what are you going to do, save me like you did last night? Why don't you go stand over in the corner and just bury Wardlow? look pretty. <laughs> tells Wardlow to stand in the corner and look pretty. <laughs> like, I don't know where that that's going. Was that a seed planted or not? Uh, MJF tells Brian Pillman Jr., if you don't get out of the ring, I'm going to do to you what your mother should have done to you 28 years ago, abort you. Yeah, he went <laughs> hot. Like, that was there was some pretty, like, oh, shit moments in there. Oh, I loved every minute of it, and I, I'm pretty sure Tony Khan was shitting his dipes back <laughs> in the fucking... Back in the backstage area. But uh, Pillman ends up, that he that's too much. He takes uh, MJF down and beats him until Wardlow looks like hesitantly pulls him off. Uh, Pillman gets out of his grasp and Wardlow ends up beating him up. Griff Garrison makes a, a short appearance, but he gets taken out with a huge clothesline. And um, MJF punches him in the face and it's a wrap on that and then we have to go into the mox and suzuki video package after seeing this pure heat yeah and then uh is that did we go into the mox and suzuki match no just the promo uh we had to go into ruby soho and jamie hater oh yeah um which wasn't a terrible match no, but it um, just it was just a match Right, it was just a match. Ruby ends up winning with a Pele kick, and then we get our little afterbirth here. Britt Baker attacking Ruby, obviously setting up a match for them to. Yes. Riho comes out to make the save. She gets stopped, and uh, Chris Statlander ends up making the final appearance and makes the save, clearing everybody out with a steel chair. And my favorite part of this segment was as we go to commercial, Taz is singing, Ruby, 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 Soho. I haven't stopped singing that since this weekend. I keep Ruby, 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 Soho. Get stuck in your head. You're just on loop. I can't get it out of there. And then another video package for Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. Will they end this thing already? God. How long are these two are going to go at it for a, I don't, but Brian a Cage belt has, that doesn't even matter? Brian Cage hasn't been on TV for six weeks. What does that matter? How's he supposed to get his shit in? He's in the get his shit in crew, isn't he? Yeah, ever since he beat up a marching band. We haven't seen him. He got suspended for that nonsense. We get a six-man tag with uh, FTR and Sean Spears. Oh, yeah. Taking on uh, the Dork Order, Evil Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, and John Silver. And uh, they come out all together them being the dork order but then we get a little in screen 
video there showing them bickering and getting uh, broken up by Anna Jay and Tay Conti. So we just got to keep shoving this one down our throat that the Dark Order is going to break up. Well, they're planting the seed. They said what Dark Order needs is a leader. So they're, they're showing them getting frazzled and they need a leader. There's a new leader coming. Who it is, I'm not saying Bray Wyatt. Don't put those words in my mouth or Bray Wyndham <laughs> or whatever it is. Sure, it could fit and work, blah, blah, blah. But they're planting the seed for a new leader. Who's it going to be? And they seem to get their shit together in this match, and they take control for a little bit, but John Silver ends up getting isolated. Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Uh, we go back to the miscommunication. Pizzeria Uno and John Silver bump heads, and then that's a wrap. We get uh, FTR in there setting up John Silver for Sean Spears to hit him with the Death Valley driver, and that's a wrap on that. At least FTR and the Pinnacle get a win out of this one. Yeah, Pinnacle's still a thing, huh? Good for them. I guess so. And Uno, afterbirth, Uno arguing with Silver. Dork Order breaks out into a fight, and then Anna Jay and Tay Conti save the day again, and we got to sort this thing out. And I hope they get a leader soon, Brian, because I am so tired of this bickering going on with all these dorks that nobody cares about. Yeah, the land of misfit toys. <laughs> we get a uh, Women's Casino Battle Royale video package wrap-up where out of that Casino Battle Royale we're going to get a few matches. We're getting Anna Jay and Tay Conti are going to fight Penelope Ford and the Bunny. Who cares? We're going to get Nyla Rose fighting Jade Cargill. That's going to be a shit show. Somebody's getting hurt. And then Thunder Rosa is just kind of left floundering. She's just trying to figure out how to get a title match. Sure. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Tully Blanchard promo. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. We get uh, Brian Pillman Jr. promo. He's He wants to go after MJF, we'll and he's it. got a match at AEW's Grand Slam. Oh, special and, name. Uh, then uh, they are interrupted by the acclaim, the return of the acclaim. We haven't seen them in a few weeks, have we? No, since that guy got suspended for saying something yeah. on something. And it turns out before Brian Pillman Jr. gets his hands on MJF, Max Caster is going to get a match with Brian Pillman on Rampage, which uh, happens tomorrow night. Then uh, the Elite promo. <laughs> the Elite promo. And they're planting the seed. If they're not planting the seed for Adam Cole to turn on Kenny, like, I mean, what are we doing here, right? They, The last that these two had interacted, they were getting ready to fight. And then he, you know, then he leaves, and they were they were pushing for that. So the elite comes out, and Adam Cole gets his own entrance. It's just these little things I think we're gonna plant and see this grow from. You know, Kenny's gonna go, I'm the champion, but everybody's looking at Adam Cole. Adam Cole's gonna want the title. Why do you come to a a new promotion? You don't want a title. It's a perfect match. There's been history there. They're planting the seed for it. Adam Cole comes out, tells uh, Tony Schiavone, I know you're friends with Britt, and if you look at her the wrong way, I'll kill you. <laughs> Get out of the ring, dork. Yeah, definitely uh, a good way to get some cheap, easy heat is to go after Tony Schiavone. We've seen it multiple times over the past few weeks, 
And uh, that's how Adam Cole's getting his cheap heat this week. Um, going after Shivani for eyeballing his wife, fiance, girlfriend, Britt Baker. Um, and then Adam Cole calls the AEW the greatest professional wrestling company in the world because the elite are there. Right. And uh, Adam Cole doing his thing. But yeah, I definitely see what you're seeing there that they're teasing something, a little bit of conflict between Adam Cole and Kenny Omega, and that eventually, hopefully they drag it out long enough, will turn into something very interesting down the road. Sure. You get a Brian Danielson run in here, or it comes out and talks, not necessarily a run in. There's a little melee between them and Kenny and everything, right? Yep, Brian Danielson comes out, tells everyone to clear the ring, and uh, we're left with Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson. Uh, You're not on my level. <laughs> Daniel Bryan steals the mic right out of Kenny's hand, which Kenny loves to talk, so he wasn't a big fan of that one. Um, Brian accuses Kenny Omega of being afraid of him, just like you said, because he's not on his level. And then we get more, Brian. More afterbirth, more people. The elite end up swarming the ring, and then here comes Jurassic Express, yeah, Christian, and the elite hunter himself, Frankie, Frankie Kazarian. Yep, it was. Blech. They they just send those guys out because they have to wait to, to they have to have a way to get that off of TV. Like okay. Otherwise, right. we just go off of this, and Brian Danielson's is getting murdered by the elite, and then we're supposed to pretend it just ended, and they all went around their separate ways. So they just send out a crew of guys. They separate them. The good guys come out to save their fellow superhero good guy, Brian Danielson. There you go. And Brandon Cutlet takes one for the team to end the segment. Brian Danielson kicks Brian Cutlet's ass. Good. Kick his fucking head off. No cold spray for that one. And then our uh, main event of the night, John Moxley fights Minoru Suzuki in an eight-minute match. And um, This seemed like a waste to me to have this Min- Suzuki come over from Japan, Suzuki Goon, the whole nine. The he's Moxley wants to be respected by these Japanese guys, and you give this thing five minutes. Right. It just stunk. Like, I hated it. It wasn't enough time. There wasn't enough time to build it up. It just needed to just just push this thing. I know he flew over from Japan, blah, blah, blah. Just push it off for four months and do it the next pay-per-view. And, and this thing, I don't know if it was just hastily put together or this, this or is just put together. Every single match Moxley's in, it's the same thing. You can... You can take notes from any Moxley match and apply them yeah. to any Moxley match. He's got that Hogan oh. from the 80s rule. Like, you know, I come <laughs> in, I do this, I hulk up, a big boot, a finger to the face, and a leg drop, and it's a wrap. We're just going to punch each other and see who's the toughest. We're going to chop each other. Uh, Suzuki obviously has to no-sell a bunch of them and play tough guy. He has to uh, take some clotheslines and not fall down. Suzuki gets his comeback. We get him biting each other. But either way, this thing ends exactly how we thought it was. And <clears throat> Moxley ends up winning. 
Yeah, next week they're going to do something with Suzuki and Lance Archer because Lance Archer was part of Suzuki-Goon over in New Japan, so they're going to team up and take on Moxley and probably Eddie Kingston, I guess. Something along those lines is going to go down, so we'll see what happens. We shall see what happens. And then uh, that was a wrap on the follow-up show, AEW Dynamite. And uh, I think that's a wrap for us, unless you've got anything else. That's a wrap, man. It was a very exhausting exploding weekend of professional wrestling that AEW gave us with all these you know we got CM Punk's first match back we've got Brian Danielson you've got Adam Cole and you know Ruby Riot to a lesser extent no nothing personal there Ruby but it was all a very good pay-per-view very well put together you wanted to see what was going to happen on Wednesday I was actually excited for Wednesday night I started it only a half an hour late and I ended up catching up on time so it was just those little things that drew me in and I was enjoying the time that uh that happened, but man, that was it. Had a blast hanging out on social media with these people with re- on TikTok, the Kayfabe Smart, on Instagram. We were having fun posting a lot of stuff, posting news, posting uh, days in this day in history type stuff. So get on the social media, hang out with us. Make sure you get over to YouTube, subscribe, share, and uh, hit the notification. Hang out when we go live, and uh, that's it. What do you have to say, Eric? Um, not too much. Next week, we fly by the seat of our pants sometimes. Next week, I am going to be down south. No internet access. No reaching out to the world. So I don't know if we're we're going to put together some sort of best of show or Brian's going to run solo. Maybe he'll have a special guest, our old buddy Michael from back in the day. I don't know. But uh, you'll probably get some sort of content <clears throat> next Thursday night. But tune in and find out for yourselves and other than that uh last thing i got to say is hootie who we out the gates <laughs>